action. Okay. So Deuteronomy 13 today, and then we will finish Ruth. Um, so Deuteronomy 13, and where, where did we end? What was at the end of last time? We were talking about... Um, uh, oh, we did. I know we did the Vehavta, and we talked about the loving God and following his commands, and when you go into the land, and mm-hmm. the two paths ahead of you. Um, I find, actually, the two chapters that are together today, I find very interesting, which we can talk about when we get to that shift into Deuteronomy 14. Um, but if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass... And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. Lisa? I'm sorry. That's Lisa. Okay. I forgot Lisa. Uh, yeah. We got you. Okay, we got you. Can you hear us? We're starting okay. late. Yeah, we're real we're late. T- we were talking. Um, so, so if... If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. Okay, so right here we're talking somebody who is not 13. 13, Yeah, Mm -hmm. who's not necessarily a false prophet because what he told you happened. Okay. Okay. And if he says after, you know, so he's, he's proven himself to you that he dreams dreams and he sees signs and wonders and things happen. Right. And if he says to you, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Mm. So we talked before about the difference between prophets who just happen to be in tune with the spiritual realm. Okay. Prophets who devote themselves to to other gods or or to to demonic worship and then the prophets of God who tune out everything else and only want to hear God. So here you've got somebody who's in that prophet category who mm-hmm. then reveals himself to be not a prophet of the Lord but a prophet of another god. Mhm. And you know God God allowed them to see that thing that would come to pass. And, and again, the idea of testing you, it's, it's, not, it's not like God trying to trip you up. It's just saying, you know, God, because if God were trying to trip you up, he wouldn't warn you in Deuteronomy 13 that That's this right. is something that would happen. So it's more like, it's not a pretest. it's more of a final exam. You know, if, you, if somebody does something and they, they give you a message and it comes true, and then that same person starts saying, oh, we should go worship this other God, you're supposed to go, oh, this is a test. I need to remain faithful to God mm-hmm. and not pursue them just because they have knowledge. Right. I don't want to, I don't want access to that knowledge more than I want to be in touch with God. I'd rather have no prophetic words and, and stay devoted to God. Right. Okay. Than follow a prophet into worshiping an idol. So you shall walk, verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. If your brother, the son of your mother or your son, or your daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your friend who is as your own soul, entices you secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, 
some of the gods of the peoples who are around you, whether near you or far off from you, from the one end of the earth to the other. You shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him. Wow. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Mm-hmm. And all Israel shall hear and fear, and never again do any such wickedness as this among you. And, and I, I just love how specific they are. Your friend who is as your own soul. Wow. Doesn't matter who they are, how close you are, how related you are, how much you love them. They and and so when when Paul is talking about fearing God and not men, th- this is this is what he's talking about. It doesn't matter who that person is, mm-hmm. how close to you they are, how much you love them. If they want to entice you away from God, that's it. Yeah. And I mean that's that's the whole. I mean that's why James calls. The believers, adulterers. Yeah. That they're they're double souled. They're not pursuing their first love. They're they're being distracted by people and other ideas and, and going after other pursuits. So verse twelve, if you hear in one of your cities which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction, all who are in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword. So this is saying, because basically what's happening here is based on the previous verse, if anyone close to you is doing these things, you should be the first one coming against them and saying no. Mm-hmm. So if rumors are getting out that it's going on in a city, uh-huh. that means the city is allowing it. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the city is putting a stop to this. Yes. At that point, you destroy the whole city. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's intense. That is. So you shall gather all its spoil into the midst of its open square and burn the city and all its spoil with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. Wow. Do what? Say it again, Lisa. Deuteronomy 13. 13 verse 17 now. So none of the devoted things shall stick to your hand. In other words, you know, don't don't steal anything. Don't mm-hmm. don't don't you know you know that moment where you're holding something that yeah. you know you should put down and it's so hard because it's like it's just stuck there. Yeah, don't do that. Um, that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you as he swore to your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments that I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. So going into Deuteronomy 14. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead. 
for you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So, so here we go from don't let anyone lead you into idol worship. Mm-hmm. And most of the things I've read speak to these being certain acts that, that pagan nations would do that would, you know, in other words, don't live like them, don't look like them, don't act like them, don't talk like them, don't walk with them, don't follow them. Yeah. And then the very next verse, don't eat like them. Wow. You shall not eat any abomination. These are the animals you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Every animal that parts the hoof and has the hoof cloven in two and chews the cud among the animals you may eat. Yet of those that chew the cud or have the hoof cloven, you shall not eat these, the camel, the hare, and the rock badger, because they chew the cud but do not part the hoof. They are unclean for you. So rabbit stew, do not have it. (laughs) Verse 8, and the pig, because it parts the hoof but does not chew the cud, is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. Of all that are in the waters you may eat these. Whatever has fins and scales you may eat. And whatever does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. You may may eat all clean birds, but these are the ones that you shall not eat. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl and the short-eared owl, the barn owl, and the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, and the cormorant, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. (laughs) The thought of eating bats. I know. Wow. And all winged insects are unclean for you. They shall not be eaten. All clean weaned things you may eat. You shall not eat anything that has died naturally. You may give it to the sojourner who is within your towns that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Oh, here we go. Yep, yep. Um, Verse 22, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household." And that is a, a portion, you know, your, a portion of your tithe. I mean, well, your actual tithe, what, what the tithe meaning the tenth of your crop and the tenth of your, your flock, which, um, you know, now we use tithe for a tenth of your income, which it, it's comparable but not quite the same. But the tithe, there was a, at least this actual tithe portion of it, was to be an offering before God that was to be eaten and, and celebrated using during the feasts and festivals. So it was not like you give all away. There was a, there's a portion that's supposed to be set aside to, to eat whatever your heart desires when you're celebrating before the Lord. Because he doesn't, he doesn't want us 
you know, his load is light and easy to carry. He actually commands us to celebrate in his presence, commands us to eat, you know, clean things that, that will give us joy, wine and, and, and the, the sheep and the oxen, whatever your heart desires or your appetite craves, and to celebrate before him. So, and you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So when he's talking to the prophets about how people aren't taking care of the Levites and they aren't taking care of the fatherless and the widow, um, they're not bringing the store, you know, this tithe to the storehouses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Micah, where he's talking to the Levites, and he says, you know, you complain that there's not enough for everybody else, but you're stealing from me. Mm-hmm. So uh, even among those, you're supposed to take your portion, not all the portion, you know, which kind of leads us back into Ruth, where we are now, because she's, you know, she starts out gleaning, going behind the, the pickers, and then when he realizes who she is, he says, no, no, come up with my pickers and get, you know, and, yes. and walk right behind them. And he tells them, leave stuff leave for stuff her. her yeah. Don't let any of the men harass her. You know, yeah. here, come and eat with me. Sit with me. I've heard only wonderful things about you. You have mm-hmm. taken care of Naomi. You are a woman of valor. You are worthy. So she goes home and she's got her leftovers from lunch and she's got all this stuff. And Naomi says, he is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now, we are going to now read Ruth 3, and we're going to talk about some of this. Um, some of the stuff that's in here I, what is, I studied when I did a, one of the papers that I did for a class at Fuller. And um, there's some cultural stuff that's kind of fascinating, and it's an interesting... Oh, we'll, we'll just dive in. Dive in. Yeah. So that's right. So Ruth 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose, uh, with whose young women you were? So she's saying, you know, I, I, want, I want you to settle down. Boaz is our relative. He says, see, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Mm. Now, a little bit of cultural context. When they were finished winnowing whatever they were winnowing that night on the barley or on the on the threshing floor, whether it was the barley or the wheat or you know whatever whatever oh, harvest thrashing. was coming in, they would do their work all day and then they would celebrate with a big meal and a lot of alcohol. Okay. And then they would pass out and just sleep on the threshing room floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was custom. This was known, and this led to a practice that we're about to encounter. This is not something that they, Naomi came up with for Ruth to do. This mm-hmm. is something that was a common practice at this time, for specifically for women who either did not have a marriage prospect mm-hmm. or who were in love with someone and 
maybe their father, they didn't think their father would approve. And we've talked about, you know, what happens when you have sex with someone not betrothed to someone and the obligation that the man is then under to go before your father. And there was risk because the father could still say no. Right. But if the woman took this risk, this calculated risk, she could change her situation. So don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Verse 4, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now, we kind of talked about this before, but feet very often in scripture is a euphemism for not feet. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> um, the word that, and in Ruth we see a particular word being translated feet, but then you go back, that, that is not necessarily what you have in a lot of the other verses, but then you go back and the root word that this one, that this comes from um, one of the translations that, that's in the KJV, so I, I'm not swearing, this is how the KJV translates it, is piss. And mm. it speaks to the male okay. genitalia. Okay. So she's not cuddling his feet. Okay. She's basically being told, go crawl, you know, go, go crawl under his cloak with him. Uh -huh. And so Ruth replied, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing okay. floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? Because the, the custom was you would go and you would basically curl up with the man and crawl into bed with him. And if he received you, then mm -hmm. he was obligating himself to marry you. Okay. If he sent you away, then, then he was not. Um. So here's old Boaz laying down there on the threshing room floor, and he rolls over, and he's yeah. very shocked to find a woman there. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Wow. Spread so your wings. Spread your wings. Put your cloak over me. Oh. You are my kinsman redeemer. I am asking you to take me oh. as your wife. Uh-huh. And he said... May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Wow. So he's saying, you know, he knows her to be a woman of character. Mm -hmm. He's only heard good things about her in meeting her and eating lunch with her and being in the field with her. Mm -hmm. He has seen her to be consistently this woman. And now here she has not gone like a foolish young girl you know, after youth, you know, whether poor or rich, but she has come to her kinsman redeemer who is older than her and, and would not even consider himself worthy of her. And, and she has done this great kindness to him. Wow. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Oh. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Mm -hmm. Lie down until the morning. 
So she lay at his feet until the morning. So now, based on this, now this is where scholars differ. Some scholars think that they, you okay. know, that they had sex that night and that she stayed with him on the floor. Some, some scholars say, well, she went down and did this, but his words are saying, you know, let's wait until we mm -hmm. talk to this person. Um, I don't know that it necessarily matters. <laughs> you know, I mean, because we're going to watch One Night with the King tonight, and each of those women was spending one night with the king. I mean, this, this, he is basically saying to her, I, I absolutely will take you, and yet someone else has right to you, and I need to, mm -hmm. I need to make sure. And yet we will see when he goes into this discussion with them that, um, you know, this is, it's, it's again, the, the, the Eastern way of communicating and negotiating and mm -hmm. and and it's it's actually quite beautiful when I was reading as I was putting it together but verse 14 so she lay at his feet until the morning but arose before one could recognize another and he said let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor see so, so maybe he didn't he, because he's he protected to, yeah whatever uh, happened uh, or didn't happen he's protecting her reputation yes that's what I you know he's saying way. I don't want anybody you know don't don't this is not gossip let no one know. You know, she, he got her out of there before anybody could recognize her. Okay. So, so whether they were together, be, because keeping in mind that they are to be together, mm -hmm. and and so if if they consummated at that point, then you know, and, and it's it's hard to to take the the laws that are commanded about sex and apply them to our modern day culture because we don't have the same mindset. That's true. So it's very, you can't, it's, it's very challenging to people to say God intended sex to be what wed you. Mm -hmm. You know, because then they, then you get the, so are you saying I'm married to every person I've had sex with? No, no. I'm saying that's the problem with how we approach <laughs> sex <laughs> as a society. God intended it to be mm -hmm. that act that wed you. Mm -hmm. and and that sealing of the the commitment. So they have made that commitment to each other. Right. They right have made there, they have made that absolutely I will redeem you and yet there is knowledge that there is someone else who has a claim to her. Mm -hmm. And yet he's saying he's let her know I have a plan. Right. So, uh, verse 15 and he said bring wait, I think I skipped it. Um, the woman came to me. Okay, so verse 15. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it. Did I copy that? Yeah. And, and so she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Mm -hmm. Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Hmm. So he gave her a bride price, and he, he showed, you know, showed the mother-in-law, yeah. I, I got your back. We're going <laughs> forward with this. So Ruth 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So he called a minion wow. to negotiate with him. And he had, they had their minion to judge and witness. 
So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. Mm -hmm. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So he's like, hey, there's this parcel of land. You get first right to it. I've called witnesses. Say you're going to buy it today. We're good. If not, I would like to buy it. Oh, I'll buy the land. And he says, okay, great. Now you also need to know. <laughs> you buy a woman. You get the woman who her husband died. She has no children, which means your obligation as the kinsman redeemer is to give her a child for the other, for the dead husband to be in his name, but I'm sure you're good with that. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. <laughs> Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Ah. Okay, so whether he's saying, I'm not willing to give a child to this other man who's dead, you know, I need my own children, or... Oh, I didn't know there was a woman involved, and my wife is not okay with this. Uh, I clearly can't do this. Right. But you see how Boaz wisely postured this. Yes. You know, hey, there's land, not keeping you from the land. You want the land, and you get the woman. This is kind of the baggage going there. He says, nope, take it. Take it. It's yours. I cannot redeem it. Verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a, a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel, which is great for when we're studying in Deuteronomy with the sex laws, where it says, if, you know, if a man has sex with a woman who isn't betrothed to anyone, then he needs, he's obligated to go to her father and give him his sandal. And people go, what's with a shoe? Well, this was the custom. It's why God told Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. You're, where you stepped, it represented your authority if you were wearing shoes. So you take off your shoe, you give it to the other person, and it transfers authority to them. Ah. So... Um, Verse 8, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Okay. Now, our modern sensibilities cringe at the idea that he bought Ruth, but let's look beyond that at the nature of what's going on, that he is yeah. saying, I take responsibility, I am, you know, I am her kinsman redeemer, I am redeeming her. I am. Because when we're told that Yeshua bought us with a price, because right. he's our kinsman redeemer. That's right. And and this is this is such a picture of that mm -hmm. that it's just beautiful, yeah. you know. And and he crafted his his negotiations in such a way that he knew 
yeah. he would be able to get this woman that he loved and wanted. So he says, um, you are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So going back, remembering Tamar and Judah, Tamar was entitled yes. to a child from the brothers of her husband, and they refused. And so she went to Judah and slept with him and tricked him. Yes. Be, but not, not, you know, she is not held accountable for her deception because she was entitled to that. Right. So in the same way, you know, in addition to the regular blessings that are given, they now add on to this one, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And you know, Judah was perfectly understandable yeah. about that, because when I read that, I was like, wow, he's saying I'm at fault here. Yeah, he's like, oh, she should be put to death, until yeah. his own staff yeah. come, and he's like, I mean, she's noble and did nothing <laughs> wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> My bad. My bad. <laughs> and and so we see the same, this th same thing here. So that's why I say what happened on the threshing room floor. We're not told. We're not not told. We know what the custom is, but I it think wasn't important, it's not important, right? It, because it's not a big deal for that. Ironically, with all mm -hmm. of the hyper focus on purity culture and all and the contrast of hyper focus on sex, right. we live in a culture that is so focused on sex that you can't see straight when you try to talk about it, mm -hmm. and that was not the case. So in this society, in this culture, she acted on what she was entitled to from a kinsman redeemer. Mm -hmm. He offered what was entitled to her as a kinsman redeemer with the acknowledgement that there was someone else who had a right. He would deal with it. Right. He did. And here we go. And, and that's what Tamar did with Judah. Mm -hmm. and, and so they're saying, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Oh. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Wow. So Ruth and Boaz had this child to give to Naomi mm -hmm. to, to continue her name with her husband. Wow. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, mm -hmm. the father of David. Wow. That's right. So the two women, we find the two women mentioned in this story who are specifically mentioned in the line of Yeshua, mm -hmm. you know, Tamar and Ruth, yeah. who both were, were brave enough to step out and, and get that right that they were entitled to uh, of a child. Because 
Um, and, and it's so, you know, all the hyper-focus in, you know, when you look at patriarchal stuff and, oh, the, the you know, the, the man with his right to the sex. No, in Jewish culture, it was the woman who had the right to sex because she was entitled to a child. Mm -hmm. And here we have Ruth and Boaz sacrificially giving their birth, firstborn son to Naomi yes. to continue her line because that was their duty and that was their responsibility. And, and what a beautiful sacrifice for, you know, for, I mean, it's just a beautiful story. I love this story. Mm -hmm. And he, well, and he, think about coming out of that sacrifice and, and how he would have been raised and what he would have been taught about his heritage and then what he would teach to his son Jesse mm -hmm. and what he would teach to his son David. And then Boaz wasn't, he wasn't selfish at all in this whole thing because he could have said, hey, first, you know, son that breaks the wound, you know, comes out of the wound, you know, I want to be mine. What about my son? You right. Know, he never Which is what the that. other guy said. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't threaten my inheritance this way. <laughs> no, no. If I have a son, it's going to be mine. Yeah. Go I ahead. Just, you can have her. Just like uh, what was it was uh, Tamar's um, uh, husband's brother's. Yes, filling the seed. And, yeah. yeah. And they didn't want. That they right. know. I'm not giving my son for their right. brother. I'm not actually. giving a son to your to, to my brother. Right. And, and then he inherited everything and I <laughs> Right. He would inherit as the firstborn, right. wouldn't he? Have? He would inherit yeah. all, everything, so. everything that was in Elimelech, Naomi's husband's, everything mm -hmm. that belonged to Elimelech would go down to this son. See. So. so basically, you know, Boaz redeemed the land to keep it in Naomi's family. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is, this is the heritage that David gets. Wow. So verse 18, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. So Perez, the child born to Tamar and Judah, from that encounter, yeah, that is the heritage that Boaz received. Sure, yeah, sure is. And he acted accordingly. <laughs> he did. And Same way. it's 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 another example of how the path we choose that we give to our children as their starting point sets the road for them. Because Boaz didn't step back from it. Boaz Boaz said, you know. No, this is, this is our heritage. This is right. This is the right thing to do. And he had already, he had already fallen in love with her character, fallen in love with her company, yeah. and was honored that she would choose him. Mm -hmm. And those are character qualities on both sides that just speak well to this line. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> so we're, we're at the end there. Lisa, thoughts? Are you there, Lisa? Yeah. I'm oh, okay. Not, You're thinking? I didn't think that was really intense. Yeah. It's it's very, you know, I know there's been stories in modern times, you know, in the past 10 years or so where a daughter will, um, a mother or a daughter will be the surrogate for, you know, the mother oh, yeah. or the daughter. And, and it, it definitely speaks. And this isn't even her own child, though. This is 
This is the girl who said, no, you know, wherever you go, I will go. I, you know, I'm devoting myself to you. And that was her character all the way up to, to doing Mm -hmm. what was right and what was, was proper. And then what struck me in the story too, like Naomi was, she was living in a foreign country before, right? Mm -hmm. And then upon coming back to her land is like, she felt like she was cursed mm-hmm. because she lost her husband and her two sons. I guess that's enough to make anybody think they're cursed. You know, right. It's like all the males are gone. Right. I'm it. Yeah. The end. It ends right here. And here God was working a plan out mm-hmm. all along. Right. You know what I'm saying? And look at the gift he gave her. She oh, must yeah. have been overwhelmed with joy. I oh, can't yeah. even imagine the joy Naomi felt. Yeah. When that baby was first placed in her arms, all that she had lost. Well, and and because blows he, my mind. When when she starts talking to Ruth <laughs> mm-hmm. about doing this, mm-hmm. she's not saying I'm entitled to a child. She's, she's saying, not, yeah, she never said that. You you are young. I want you to settle down. I don't want you to have to be a, a widow with me for the rest of our lives. You, you know, you go and and do these things. It will be good for you. And then in turn, they honor her. And and it's really an example of when everybody is looking out for each other, everyone gets taken care of. Yeah. And it's just a really I love the story of Ruth. I yes. absolutely love it's it. A really good and and I think that's why I said I don't think any movie has ever been made about this story. It's really a good well, I th- story. I think they've done it, but I don't. It's I mean it's probably well. It's only taste. four chapters, and if you're not going to want to talk about what's going on on the threshing room floor, which most movies that have been made, <laughs> that, you know, they're not going to want to deal with that. that yeah. yeah, I mean, and it might it might come. They did one night with the king, and and there are, there is a lot more dealing with the reality. You know, I think I think they did it pretty tastefully with the king. They did. They, you know, like we didn't need to say all the CLA. I mean, right. regular Hollywood would have showed us everything. Right. Butts in the air and everything, but you and know, they just like. You know. And that's what I appreciate about this story because mm-hmm. you know scholars can go back and forth arguing all day long about what actually technically may or may not have happened on the floor, but the reality is that was the practice, and God didn't see the need to disclose that personal detail to us. Right. It's not actually our business. Right. <laughs> And, that's true. And I think that that's, that's I think that that's private. important. Yes. God doesn't say, you know, God God's not going to expose them. Um, and yet God honors the commitment they made to one another, whatever level it was to that night, and they are kept together and and they were they are clearly by the telling of the story and by what comes from it and by how God blesses them, they are clearly being honored by God for them coming together. And in a society where the act of sex is considered to be that that coming together in marriage, mm-hmm. it's very unless you signify that it's something else, that's the expectation. Right. And and I think that's the important thing thing to get when we're talking about the purity laws in in scripture is that it's not that there's a desire to punish people who do other things. Right, right. Um, because there wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really said if you go to the prostitute, you should be killed. You know, it's, it's, it was more, okay, there's stuff, people are going to do things. But this is God's design for this. And the design was, you know, if a woman is raped and it's a case of he said, she said, believe her. He gets put to death. 
if two people come together and they don't do it in the proper order by having that marriage first, but they come together and then they're considered married and he's got to then go pay the virgin bride price. He doesn't get to have sex with her and then pay a lesser bride price. Right, right. You know, you can't you can't bargain shop here. You know, he's, <laughs> he's got to pay the bride price of what she was when he came to her. Right. And so we see that with um, Dinah and mm -hmm. the Prince of Shechem. Mm -hmm. You know, they were in love. They they yeah. didn't formally and publicly get married, but they consummated their love together. And then right. when he learned about what he was supposed to have done, he says, I'm so sorry, let me fix this. My whole town will become Jewish and I will pay the bride, I'll pay 10 times the bride price. He let me, really just love. let me have her, I love her. Yes. So, so this is another story in that tradition mm -hmm. of all the odds are against them. Mm -hmm. And yet they do what's right, they come together, God honors that. And line of David continues. There you go. And I, I just, I like that. I absolutely like that. Which shows, you know, even in our time, if we do things out of order, it can still be redeemed. Yeah, that's true. So. So, Naomi is in the line of Yeshua, right? Or is well, it Ruth in the line of Yeshua? It's, it's Ruth who's listed, but the mm -hmm. child is given to Naomi. To Naomi. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if... And, it, and he was the father of... Yeah. Like, it's that, that... Between Naomi and Ruth, that's the connection between the line of Perez mm. continuing down to David. Okay. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Okay. So he was counted for Naomi, but his actual fathering came. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, and, and really what they're showing there is not so much genealogy as connecting those two women... Mm -hmm. Who, who did similarly and stepped out speaking up for what they were entitled to and God honored it and continued the line down to David. Gotcha. So I wonder how, old, how much older was uh, Boaz and Ruth? You think it was well, apparently enough that because he didn't think she'd have saying, anything to do with yeah, it. I'm like, wow, that might have been more than 10 years. Then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she was she was already married. She, we don't know how long she'd been married. We don't know how old she was at this no, time. But he looked, thought of her as young. So yeah, he thought of her as young. You know, early 20s or Definitely a, a May-December kind of thing going on. And, <laughs> and, and yet she wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. she wasn't concerned about. Yeah. The things of youth, which you see when she attaches to Naomi, she's not concerned about the things of youth. That's not a, that's not a youthful attachment. That is a that is a very mature devotional. I, I'm committed to you. I, none of that matters. Right. So and yet she still then gets to have a family and gets to continue and that's and true. to be loved by a man and and it's it's just very beautiful. Yeah. So I know. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Amen. 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 Still there?